Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. I am Eric Kane with Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis. A big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. If you need roofing, siding, windows, a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. Plus, you can win a free roof from Exterior Home Solutions. Nominate a deserving family at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover. That ends on October the 1st. Got a lot to get into today, but I want to go ahead and start by announcing if you're if you're listening to us and not a member of at VolQuest.com. we got a great deal happening right now for a rivalry week, Tennessee, Florida. You get 50% off your first annual year subscription to VolQuest.com. So that deal is just going to be here for this week and this week only. Go ahead and take advantage of that today. All right, guys, let's get into it. It was not the prettiest of days Saturday at Neyland Stadium, but Tennessee does get a 30-13 to win. Brent, you and I have watched the the show again or the game again we've done the rocky top rewind we've had a couple of different review pieces uh but i do want to know how how concerning is that output of course it's not the end of the world but how concerning is that game that we saw in neyland stadium well i mean i just think that you know it's it's the fact that the passing game is not in sync uh for whatever reason you know settled in over anxious uptight whatever you know and, and we can debate and argue all he want to should he have caught this one should he have caught that one was it a bad throw the bottom line is they didn't complete the pass they didn't execute yeah. the play and uh, if Tennessee's going to go and grow and do the things they want to do they've got to throw the football and they've got to what's the old what's the old saying the throw game the passing game has to be better they have got to complete passes they have got to uh, stretch the field vertically in the passing game for, for Tennessee moving forward and, and that's got to start this week they can't I just don't believe they can throw it side to side the entire season and, and be the type of offense they need to be to have a chance to win uh, and, and and live up to the expectations record-wise that people have for this team. Yeah, for me, I, my judgment of this team starts after this game. Like, you know, I've thought about it. Uh, you know, people have uh, asked me Sunday out of the, the, the golf tournament and Monday, you know, kind of like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just not going to judge them yet. Like, you know, listen, it was this awkward game, you, you, you delayed. You're playing a, a team that you're supposed to crush. That doesn't, it's not any, that does not excuse errant passes, drop passes, all that stuff. That stuff's just execution. And so, like, if they're still doing the same things this week, and I get the people that are say that say Joe is Joe, who you know, he is who he is at this point. Okay, I agree. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I, you know, but again, I think for this team, I'm going to look to judge them more so on how they play Saturday than how they play against Austin P. You know, look around college football. Ohio State has won their games 23 to three and 35 to seven over Youngstown State. Michigan beat UNLV 35 to seven, the t- number two team in the country, the team with the second best odds in all of college football. Again, you can't 
you can't get Saturday out of your mind. I get it. It, it was it was it was junk. It was just not pretty to watch, you know. But you know, kids are still emotional. They 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 kind of ride you know with with you know some of this stuff, you know. So like I, I'm I'm interested to see what they bring to the swamp. Do they bring the same thing to the swamp? Because if they do, that's probably not a good sign for the balls. Um, but I do think that the defense will keep Tennessee in most games, even when the offense does have those moments where they just seem like they're out of rhythm, don't have any kind of juice, and, and it's like a three-out machine. Rob, there are things that Tennessee needs to work on. There are things that need to be improved. The passing game's got to get in sync and all that, so I'm not trying to uh, minimize that at all. But is, is it we're just a little spoiled right now? I mean, Tennessee wins 30-13, to should have won 60-13, to but just knowing how good this offense has been the last year, two years, is it, is it we're a little spoiled, or is it a real like, hey, they, they got some real issues here potentially? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think you have to be like AP and, and probably wait till after Saturday. But I mean, yeah. we're spoiled because of what we've seen from Hendon Hooker in this offense. I mean, we haven't. I mean, I'm not trying to be hypercritical of Joe at all. I don't want to go down that road. But, but you know, he's he, he had a really nice game against Clemson in in the Orange Bowl. But other than that, I mean, he's not operated this thing at anywhere close to the efficiency that that Hendon did. So. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not in the sky is falling camp, but yeah, if you're a Tennessee fan and, and I, I think it's, the jury is definitely still out on your starting quarterback through two weeks when you're talking about, you know, what this offense has looked like in the past. I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, if Heupel's the point where he feels like he has to adjust some things, but I mean, I think we all can agree that they're, they're, bet, they're a better running team, it, it appears, than they have been in the past. I mean, maybe you, you skew it that way some, maybe you do, you know, take out some of the deep shots i don't know if you're to that point yet but i i totally get where, where fans are and again I'm, I'm not saying joe it can't be salvaged or you know it, it's nothing like that at all i mean hypo has worked wonders with quarterbacks i think that he can coach show up but the, the fact is he's got to play better yeah brent i mean it's got to be better i mean that t- tennessee just stopped throwing the ball down the field in the second half and of course, it was given there, the perimeter game, the quick passing game and all that. So it's got to get better. But also, nobody ever said that Joe Milton was going to be Hendon Hooker and expect this offense to look like last year's offense. It was never – that was never the case. But, of course, it's got to be better than what it is now. Yeah, but, I mean, Joe's resume on it has guy who, who didn't complete balls, who, who missed a lot of deep throws uh, before he got hurt. Hendon Hooker took the job and ran with it for a year plus. Um, so anytime that they're, they're missing things, there's going to be a lot of, oh, there's Joe. That's the old Joe. I thought Joe was different. I thought Joe had changed. I thought he'd improved. Where's this improvement? I get all that. Okay. I mean, listen, you're the starting quarterback in the most prolific offense, you know, that Tennessee fans have ever seen the last two years. You're going to be judged. I mean, you're going to be judged. There's going to be high marks and, um, everybody ought to, everybody in Joe's inner circle better understand that that's the way it is. And you better not get caught up and worried about all that, but that there's people are going to be critical of you. Now, if you want to look at it as, at the, as the glass half full, here's my positive on Joe. There's not other than one ball in two games. There's not any point where I go, man, he made a really bad read there. That's a ball. They shouldn't have thrown that ball could have been picked. You know, he threw that ball into traffic. He's throwing to the right guys, and the guys are open. They just have to come. They just have to finish the play. He's got to throw it a little better. The guys have to catch it. You know, I, I mean, that's a tougher catch for Brew McCoy than he wants it to be at the start of the game. But that's a catchable ball. 
uh, you know, the, the ball to Castles to me was the worst one he threw because it was way behind. Um, he's lucky the ball to Squirrel wide over the middle was high because Squirrel probably wouldn't have finished the game if he'd hit him in stride there. Still got hit, though. If he was coming down. Um, still not a good throw. But then, you know, the best th- the best play he made the entire game was the ball Dante Thornton dropped. And that's the best play made. He, he got out of trouble. He scrambled out. His eyes were downfield. He threw a ball to the outside where Thornton had his feet down. You got to make that play and you got to make that catch. So, um, again, we're going to judge the quarterback at Tennessee, regardless of who the coordinator is, really high. If you don't believe that, tell them to pick up the phone and call Jonathan Crompton, pick up the phone and call Jerry Garantano. Pick up the phone and call whoever else, right, Rob? Nathan Peterman and everybody else down the list. I mean, the quarterback at Tennessee is going to be a hero. Um, He's going to be beloved, and at times he's not going to be very well liked if he doesn't play well. So Joe's got to put all that behind him, and Joe's got to go play. And we'll see how Joe reacts this week, how he handles it. I think this is a tough week for Joe. Uh, the, The one tough thing for Joe is he's playing at home. There's going to be a bunch of people there. He has to get settled into the game quickly. It, everything can't be the 140-mile-an-hour fastball in the first quarter because he's geeked up and hyper to play. He's got to get himself settled into the game and play the football game Saturday night. So how did Tennessee respond? Coming back into the facility, watching the film, hitting the practice field Monday morning, how did Tennessee respond to Again, it was a win, but it was a, a game where you expected a lot more of an offensive output. You expected a lot more good vibes, if you will, leaving Neyland Stadium. How did Tennessee respond to that? Josh Heupel was asked and answered Monday in his weekly press conference. Um, good energy uh, out on the grass with them today, but really good in the in the meeting room too. Uh, anticipated that from uh, from these guys. Uh, we got strong leadership. Uh, guys care about their performance, but they care how they get there too. Uh, I said it after the game too. I didn't feel like we didn't prepare the right way. Um, at the end of the day, we weren't on the right side of the competitive edge to, to go play the way that we're capable of. That being said, there's a lot of things that went that we did really well too during the course of the game. Uh, I thought the effort, strain, energy, uh, technique on special teams was really good. Uh, defensively, uh, played really sound. You know, a majority of the football game. Um, you know, uh, gap assignments uh, allowed a couple of big runs early in the football game, but. Other than that, really good. Offensively, you know, we ran it for dang near eight yards of carry and, and uh, had some efficiency in the pass game, too. Um, penalties in the red zone in particular, you know, drop balls, um, you know, hitting a couple more passes um, lead to a, a different score, you know, and certainly one that we all want. But uh, those are all things that we, we control. And, you know, that was a big point of emphasis uh, today with our guys, you know, control the controllable, which is what sits in that room and how we prepare. Austin, you know, you don't play football, if, ands, all that type of stuff. But uh, Josh Hopple choosing to focus on the positives from that game, and that, that's a good mindset to have. But, you know, really, if you, if you you know, Ramel Keaton catches that one ball at Virginia, um, you know, that, that looks a whole lot different stat-wise and scoreboard-wise. Without three holding penalties in the red zone, uh, potentially that score looks a lot different. And without these bad passes and, and, and drop passes, it could be a whole lot different. So I guess my question is, you know, Joe is kind of who Joe is, and we can't argue that, but a lot of these just feel like it's Tennessee beating Ten- – like, Ten- Austin P didn't beat Tennessee the other day on the scoreboard or figuratively. felt like Tennessee was just getting into Tennessee's own way, and, and some of that can be correctable, right? Yeah, well, most of it is correctable. He's yeah. right, but again, it's, it's simple execution. It's pitch and catch, and it doesn't matter if you, you know, 
didn't want to get up to play Austin P or the, you know, the delay, you know, took you out of your rhythm or whatever. It's still simple pitch and catch. And there were guys open and he either threw a bad ball or threw an adequate ball and the receiver didn't come up with it. And so, you know, they, they have to just continue to work on it and kind of just, you know, go back to the drawing board. I mean, you know, I love to play what ifs too. What if I didn't hit the ball out of bounds the other day? I wouldn't have made a double bogey, right? I mean, like, my back down score had been two shots better. I mean, like, at some point you have to kind of acknowledge it for what it is. But, again, the best thing going is is that game didn't matter. You didn't play like crap against Florida. You didn't play like crap against South Carolina. You played like crap, at least not this year. You didn't play like crap against Alabama. You, you, you had a uh, you know, whatever type of game against Austin P. It, it is what it is. If, 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 it, if it matters to the team, they get back up on the horse this week. Obviously, there's all this talk about the player meeting and all that, and that's great. But, you know, words are words. Actions are actions. And Tennessee's going to have to show some action on Saturday. Well, because here's the reality. Had they won 63-3, to Rob, we'd be ask, fans would be asking the same questions, right? I mean, that's great. They just beat little old Austin P, who's not any good. Can Joe, can Joe do it? Can they do it against the SEC in the swamp at night? Doesn't matter what the score. That, that game is completely washed in terms of what the fans think moving forward. How that game went really has no bearing on the fans' thoughts going into this game. No, and, and what if – you know, what if Joe plays just kind of okay and Nico comes in and, you know, is 10 for 12 with three touchdowns in the second half? Then that's a whole different, <laughs> you know, conversation that's taking place this week. So, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think you're right, Hubbard. If it was 63-3, I mean, I think, you know, it would still be getting picked apart a little bit. But I just – I think his track record from, you know, when he started the first two games in 20, 2021 – you know, combined with, you know, uneven performances in the first two games this year. I mean, I, th- I just think fans are really gun shy. We got plenty more to get into about this awesome P game. Looking ahead to Florida, what does Josh Heupel and some of these players uh, say about Florida, the current personnel, Billy Napier's second squad, about not winning in Florida since 03. Spoilers, the current team doesn't give a crap about that. That's just something that we can talk about. All that coming up and more here on the VolQuest podcast. Do you want to pull my uh, Intermark Packer and get in here and talk about Bird Dogs? Uh, stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh. And, and they got these shorts to do the exact same thing as Lululemon. Really, now hear me out here. Lululemon, I'm sure a lot of you guys like Austin Price big into, into that there. But they fit way better because these regular shorts, they're made of stiff, restricting cotton. But Bird Dogs, they fix that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki shorts but stretches so that you don't have to sacrifice movement whatsoever great on the golf course great if you're going to a meeting a lunch church whatever the case may be the versatility is the name of the game with bird dogs plus they have an anti-sink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long on a hot summer day uh go to birddogs.com and use the promo code vq enter that promo code vq and you'll get a free yeti style tumbler with your order just kidding it's a hydro flask water bottle even better it is a Hydro Flask water bottle with your order if you put in the promo code VQ at birddogs.com. Again, that is birddogs.com slash VQ, promo code VQ, for a free Hydro Flask water bottle with your order. We can promise you this. You are not going to want to take off your bird dogs this summer evening. And a big shout-out, as always, to a proud sponsor of the show. That is Exterior Home Solutions. Exterior Home Solutions will make one family's dream come true. Do you know a family in need of a new roof? Maybe it's leaking or needs repaired. Whatever the needs may be, Exterior Home Solutions is going to give one lucky family 
Exterior Home Makeover. To nominate a family that you think is deserving, simply go to the website at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover and you can make your nomination there. Exterior Home Solutions wants to give the gift of home to one lucky family. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, as always, to Exterior Home Solutions. Great people over there, big UT fans, and they are here to help you if you ever need an upgrade to your home, siding, roofing, whatever the case is. Give our friends Exterior Home Solutions a call today. Austin P., it's in the rearview mirror now. Uh, the, the page has been flipped to a rivalry game in Florida and a place where you haven't won since 03. Quickly, I do want to play this clip. This is from Josh Heupel and from Jacob Warren. It's something that we, media, fans alike, Kind of make a big talking point. Tennessee hadn't won since 03 in the Swamp. What does the current team think about that? Give this a listen, Josh Heupel and Jacob Warren. It's a great environment. You know, at the end of the day in this game, and yesterday has nothing to do with today. The previous game, our previous play has nothing to do with what's going to happen on the next play. Um, you know, it's, it's about, you know, preparing the right way, practicing the right way. That will lead to you playing the right way. Um, I think it's something that, um, in the nicest way possible, everyone outside of the building cares about and has talks about and, and thinks is a, is a big deal. I don't think to most of the guys on the team, like you mentioned the younger guys, like whether they really know about it or not, I, I'm not sure. But um, just one of those things, again, that doesn't really matter, right? When we're on the field, who cares how long it's been, right? Whether it's here or there or whatever. I'm just going out there and just trying to compete and be the best on this day. Obviously, it'd be great to win there for sure after this many years, but uh, something that we're not not necessarily worried about. I mean, I completely agree. The, the 2010, 2011, 2013, you know, whatever ones of those teams are playing in the small, it has no bearing on 2023 Tennessee, Florida. It has no bearing. But the fact of the matter is, Brent, Tennessee had one down there since the Iceman. It has been a minute. I mean, that environment, why is it so challenging to win at the Swamp for Tennessee? Well, the problem with this streak that they're on right now is they've given too many games away. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, look, there's a couple of Urban Meyer games in there where they absolutely got it handed to them, right? And, and those were, those were a couple of lo really long, bad days for Tennessee. Um, you know, you, you had the 05 game down there, which was a low scoring game, and, and the game changes on a fake punt. Um, you know, a backed up fake punt that was called. Then you got, then you have the, 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 the out pattern that turned into a touchdown that wasn't well, 17. A play that they gave up. Um, then in 15, they give up the Hail Mary play, right? Is that, am I years right, AP? That's right. Be wrong, you know. Um, so it, it's, it's not just that they've lost there, 
for Tennessee fans, it's how they've lost some of these most recent ones. I mean, Butch Jones could have very easily been 4-0 against Florida. He could have won four in a row against Florida very easily. Uh, he lost on two basically final plays, um, you know, at, at Florida. They blew a game in Knoxville where Florida couldn't score, but they end up throwing an interception and give Florida or, or had a fumble and gave Florida short field a chance to win it. So Florida's not been good enough or not been great. Tennessee just hasn't taken advantage of it because Tennessee's not been good enough either. Um, and even last year, you know, Tennessee wins at home, but that thing gets dicey at the end. Tennessee just had a hard time finishing finishing them off, finishing this team off, whether it's at home or in or at Florida. But the ones at Florida, they've given more away the last 10 years than Florida's really taken from them, to be honest. So it'd be really, I mean, it's always tough to play on the road, the SEC, sure. but, you know, it's playing loud. down the swamp necessarily isn't like going. No, it, I mean, it, it's it's loud. It's, yeah. I mean, interrupt you. it's loud. It's hot. Uh, when they're good, it's really loud. Um, you know, there's been a many times during this streak that Tennessee's rolled in there and Florida fans didn't care much about the game because they didn't think Tennessee had a shot to win it. Um, there's been some other times when their Florida fans weren't looking forward to the game because they didn't think their team was good enough to win it. It'll be rocking Saturday night. Tennessee will have to get settled into this game uh, offensively, uh, get calm, you know, get all their, you know, energy out, whatever you get, emotions, whatever, and get calm because it'll be loud and ready to go. But, I mean, Florida's not walking around with the swagger right now that they walked around the last few years uh, from a fan base standpoint, in my opinion. No, uh, yeah, I was bitching on the head. It's going to be loud out the jump. But everybody there is looking for a reason to leave because they're not excited about this Florida team. They're no, they know they're not going to be good but they know that they've got this kind of run against Tennessee. They want to keep that going. And if they can keep that going. But if Tennessee comes out and they jump on them early, kind of like they did at LSU last year, the swamp will get drained in a hurry. Like I just don't think the fans will 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 hang in there and hope for a comeback. Like I really believe that they're looking for a reason to leave. They're going to show up because it's Tennessee and it's what they do and they beat Tennessee for 20 years in a row and it's what they do. But – they're looking for a reason to leave, in my opinion. And, and I think if Tennessee, it's up to Tennessee to give them a reason. Yeah, but the, the longer they stay in it, the louder and more. You're going to get off to a quick start. That first quarter, and Hubs has talked about this, and we'll talk about it all week, about how, you know, one touchdown, one field goal, five punts, and, and two turnovers on down. The, the first quarter is massive in this game. Look at Florida this year, and of course, as you mentioned it's, it's a team rebuilding. Not you know, fans not overly excited about it. Not excited about the quarterback play. They got two talented running backs. The defense last year, you lost a whole lot of production, and and it wasn't a it wasn't a typical Florida defense either. So very much rebuilding. But of course, it's going to be a good game. It always is a good game. Last year turned into a good game when Tennessee was out, you know, by a lot, and ultimately only won by four or five points. Only the second win since 04 last year. And if you win down in the swamp this week, Rob, it's going to be the first time since 03. Real quick, let's let's hear what Josh Heupel had to say about Florida, some of the challenges for Florida, their skill, their personnel, and what they're going to try to do to make things difficult for Tennessee. Going, playing a really good football team here. Um, you know, great opportunity. Uh, you come to Tennessee – uh, because you want to play in these types of games, these types of environments, um, you know, sitting on prime time Saturday night. Um, great challenge in front of us, really good football team. Um, you know, the big, strong, athletic 
on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Skill players uh, on both sides are, are really good, uh, great speed, and uh, will be a huge test for us. So, yeah, they they got great team speed. Uh, you got athletes that can go make plays in space. Um, you got to bottle, bottle up the run game. Uh, that's a huge part of what they do, and that sets up their play action pass. Uh, a year ago, they hurt us with some of that. Um, we got to be able to. Uh, to fit the run and then uh, play assignment sound and, and play the ball well when it's in the air. Um, and this will be the best offensive line that we've seen. Um, you know, they're big, strong, they're athletic, and, um, and look like a typical uh, Florida offensive line. Rob, we know what Florida's going to try to do offensively. Uh, you know, we, we spoke with Nick Delatore of, of Gators Online on the Rocket Top Rewind. Encourage you guys to go look at that interview. A lot of good stuff there. But, you know, Graham Mertz is <laughs> – a game manager, if you will. You don't want Graham Mertz trying to win you football games. Florida's got two good running backs, so they're going to try to run the football uh, on offense. But, Rob, I'm, I'm curious, and maybe we'll study more of it as the week goes on, but what's going to be that game plan against Tennessee's offense? Are they going to stack the box and say, you're not going to beat us running, Joe Milton? you gotta, you got to throw, you know, throw some downward passes and, and try to beat us? Or kind of what's that strategy, do you think, is going to be against Tennessee's tempoed offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because we really haven't seen, you know, like most Power Five teams, you know, Florida's not been tested yet. I mean, they would have been tested at Utah, but, you know, with the quarterback situation that the Utes were, I mean, they were, you know, facing somebody where they really had to, you know, guard sideline to sideline, you know, worry about the ball getting thrown over their head, and then McNeese State, no kind of challenge last week. But, man, if you just look at some of the numbers for Florida, what jumps out the most to me it, it just, you know, from raw stats and Eric, you know, looking at stuff early is just not, you know, being disruptive defensively. They only have two sacks yeah. th through, you know, through two games and um, only and, and, and only 10 total tackles for a loss. What Tennessee have 11 on, on Saturday against Austin P. I mean, even even when Florida has been bad or, or not, you know, what we've expected, they've always generally had had a, some, a couple of dudes in the front seven. And, um, you know, so, you know, and, and maybe somebody emerges at, at some point. But to, to this point, they've just not been really disruptive on that side of the ball. You know, I I think Tennessee's going to gonna lean on, on the run game. I mean, Utah had some success that way, but they were pretty one-dimensional. So I think Florida was able to stack it. Um, and But, you know, they'll be able to do the same thing unless Joe, you know, proves that, you know, he, he can hit, hit a couple of passes in, you know, in the 10 to 20-yard range. So I, I – I think everybody right now, until Milton proves otherwise, is just going to, you know, press the line of scrimmage because that's that's pretty clearly been, you know, Tennessee's strength in the run game right now. So I mean, they're going to have to. I mean, not just they. I mean, Joe's going to have to prove that he can he can make some throws in, in the tight windows when it matters. And, and overall, I'm, I'm going to put it up on the tee. Your, your third down, your third down numbers. Uh, I'm teeing yeah. it up for you. I mean, yeah, for yeah. And, and, <laughs> I was going to say the reason the third it, the it's. I, I mentioned something about this. The reason the, the ugly third third down numbers are so head scratching is they're averaging over six yards a carry, and still not moving the chains. Yeah, and and there's a couple things that have happened there. One, they've had a couple series where they clearly were trying to get the passing game going, and so they've thrown they've thrown it more than they've run it. They've had a couple penalties that have knocked them off schedule and put them in third and long, and then they've had three third and ones that just got blew up in the backfield. I mean, just absolutely blown up for a team that spent this time last offseason a year ago offseason the whole focus was on winning in short yardage that they're asking their offensive line in a couple of those short yardage plays to do some really hard stuff in terms of pulling uh into run blitzes and different things like that i, I think what's going to be intriguing about this game austin 
is everybody's going to focus on the quarterback, right? They're going to focus on Tennessee's passing game. They're going to focus on Florida's speed. Can they get the ball out? Can they get the ball to their speed guys? To me, it's about the line of scrimmage. And you say, well, every game's about the line of scrimmage. It is, but, you know, this is the best offensive line Tennessee's defensive front has gone against. How good is Tennessee's defensive front? We think it's pretty good. I think Virginia's bad in the offensive line. Watch the James Madison game. I think Austin P is bad in the offensive line as well. So is Tennessee that good, or have they played not very good competition? The flip side of that is Florida's not been able to get to the quarterback. Tennessee's offensive line wasn't great against multiple looks from Austin P. So how, how do the line of scrimmages play out in this game? It will be pretty fascinating to watch. I expect Florida to be super aggressive, and I think Tim Banks has still got a lot in the, in the old back pocket, AP. Yeah, I agree. They've been able to get home and get pressure, um, whether it be with their tackles or with their edge guys in the first couple of games. That How many times Saturday did Tennessee's defensive line have such good penetration that you thought they were going to literally take the handoff and, and and then somehow miraculously, you know, they'd get Austin P would get the handoff off and then Kevin ended up gaining a few yards when you thought a second into the play, this is going to be a three or four yard loss. Um, you know, Tennessee's defensive line has been super active uh, through two games and, you know, offensive line wise, you know, I, you know, we'll see, um, you know, Florida hadn't been able to get home um, and Tennessee, a couple of times they looked to take a shot on Saturday, missed a protection and, and those type of things. Tennessee does got they, – they do have to, you know, really give Joe some time. And, and I think, you know, I'm not saying you need to throw a ton of short passes, but at the same time, I think they need to get him in some type of rhythm early. Let him just see the see the ball get completed a couple of times. And is that a five-yard hitch? Is that a – is, is, is that just going laterally for the first couple of throws just to kind of see and get him into the flow of the game um, instead of trying to take a deep shot or throw a 15-yard out or whatever? Um, I, I think some of that stuff's important just to kind of get him some confidence because I know he walks around and exudes it, but, you know, I, you, you know he deep down feels a little bit of pressure to, you know, uh, perform well on, on Saturday, especially, you know, I mean, I mean you know, if he, if he doesn't win those comments, that he made back in the summer, but he's never lost in the state of Florida or whatever. I mean, they really, they really dig back up. Well, no doubt. Here's the thing, too, Eric. I wonder if I mean Tennessee's not seen much single safety high looks defensively. If Florida jumps into that, I, you know, I think Tennessee takes a big shot early down the field if they can get that kind of look with the with the field to work with. Maybe just to let Joe get it out of you know get one out of his system. He may overthrow yeah. it a little bit, but. That may be the easier throw for Joe right now than, than it is to throw a 20-yard over route or a, or a 15-yard dig. You know, if they get that single safety high look, they may just take off down the down the sideline and let him heave one up. They've just not gotten a lot of those looks. Virginia was in, in split safeties most of the entire game, and so was Austin P. There were times Austin P. went zero and Tennessee was going to take a shot and the protection didn't hold up. I don't think Florida will do that a ton, but if they get a single safety high look to stop the run, if, if the defense is in that, stop the run. Don't you think Tennessee's going to take a shot there, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it feels like, for the most part, you know, these first two ball games, they pretty much just said, all right, we're going to try to keep everything in front of us. We don't want the big arm Joe to beat us over the top. We're going to scoop, you know, we're going to try to keep everything in front of us, is kind of what it seemed like if you simplify things. Uh, but Florida, Florida's going to play you know, what Florida wants to do. I mean, it's an SEC defense. It's going to play its defense. And I was I was doing a hit this morning. And I actually said it, and I, I kind of made myself laugh. But, 
you know, Austin, it's it's literally UBU. I mean, Tennessee's going to run its offense. I mean, Tennessee's going to have a game plan. It's going to try to tailor it to, obviously, Joe Milton's strengths. And if it's not there, they're going to adapt it as the game goes along, just like against Austin P and all that. But, you know, Tennessee's going to try go and try to run Tennessee's offense, and that's getting one-on-one matchups and taking some shots with the with the ground game opening all that up. So, absolutely, if they get single high safety, I fully anticipate Tennessee taking some shots down the field. And and you hit one, AP, or Rob, you hit one, and then, you know, all of a sudden, Joe's feeling himself, got some confidence, and then, you know, who knows what this offense can do after that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you, you know, one of you talked about earlier about stacking the box, you know, make Tennessee's, you know, don't let Tennessee's run game get going and make Joe make complete passes to beat you. That's why Joe's got to be able to stretch it vertically, Rob. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be able to, you know, not allow Florida to dictate things with their defense. And, and you know, if, if he can, you know, complete the 15- and 20-yard passes, you know, I'm not even talking about the, the bombs. I'm talking about the, you know, the things that can the intermediate stretch stuff, them yeah. a little bit. That, 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 to me, Rob, that's where Tennessee's offense really wakes up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, be honest. I mean, I don't think anybody's expected Jalen Wright to average nine yards a carry. On you know in, in Gainesville, I mean if, if he does, if, if he does, it's going to be Travis Stevens yeah. X. If he does, great. Then you know none of the stuff that people are worried about with Joe is going to matter. But you know it is. I mean it is going to matter. I mean and they're going to have to get. You, you can't be in third and four, third and three all day. I mean sometimes on second six, Joe's going to have to you know hit a Brew McCoy on a fifteen yard in you know over the middle and, and move the sticks. And it, I just. I, I'm I'm just fascinated to see how it's going to work out because I I don't want to. I don't know how much pressure he's under, but I I think it's pretty significant. I mean, I'd be interested to know what you guys think for how much pressure he's facing relative to what we've seen other quarterbacks. You know, you're talking about a Tennessee team that's ranked in the top ten, and you know, playing a place they haven't won in 20 years. Joe's had some success, but you know, hadn't quite proved it. You know, yet. I just I, I think it's a pretty big spot. Oh, Brent, I'm, if he doesn't play well, it's going to get loud. I'm not yeah. saying a change is coming. I'm just saying it's going to get really loud if Joe Milton doesn't play well in the swamp. I mean, Hubbard, well, putting making too much of it. I mean, no. I mean, I, I mean, it's the quarterback position at Tennessee on an offense that everybody believes is going to be successful every year because that's a big, that's a big, that's a big part of it. That's a very you know, big part. Of it. I mean, it, it's you don't have that. There's not a vibe, guy. In my opinion, there's not a vibe from Tennessee fans that you have to have. 11 or nine first round dudes to, to, to go be successful in this offense because it's been successful everywhere Josh Heupel has worked it, whether it's UCF, whether it's Missouri, wherever. Um, you just got to have a quarterback who can make the throws. And again, it would be different if guys weren't open right now, right? I mean, think of the, think of the misses, the drops that have happened. I mean, how many of them have been where guys weren't open? E- even the slant in the end zone to Dante Thornton, AP, if the ball's in front of him, it's a touchdown because he's Easy open. Easy six, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like these guys are blanketed. I mean, how many years did we go to go down and cover a Florida game and the storyline was could Tennessee beat press man, right? Yep. Could Tennessee's receivers beat press man covers? That was, I mean, from like 05 to, I don't know, however many years, four or five Forever. years. But like it was like, can Tennessee, Florida, you know, Florida's going to play man. Can Tennessee beat man coverage? That's not the narrative with Tennessee because Josh Heupel gets people open. I think that's where the pressure falls on the quarterback because there's a lot of people feel like Austin, 
this offensive scheme makes it really easy for the quarterback to be successful. He's just got to go out and do the physical part of it. Yeah, and, and again, they've had guys running open, and Joe has either missed or has put it in a position where his receiver could get two hands on it, and the receivers have, you know, you know, come up short. And so they've just got to get on the same page. I mean, you know, we're just flat out dropped too. Sorry to jump in front of you, but I mean, some of those throws, four of those throws, um, were good balls the other day and the receivers just let him down. So even some of those bad balls and they got their hands on him, whatever, you know, could have been caught pro- probably, but that's a couple of those were just straight drops. Yeah. That, well, that's what I was saying. It was like, yeah. you know, with Joe's Joe's though, some of them that were bad balls, the other ones, even if they weren't, weren't perfect, the receiver had got two hands on it and, and could have easily caught the football and, and, and it came up short. So, you know, they, they have to get on the same page. And, you know, if, if they do, the Tennessee's offense, I think, can unlock some things this week. And again, I do think that Tennessee's been super, super vanilla. Hubs talked about early, you know, that Tim Banks has still got some, you know, some stuff in, in the in the old uh, in the old bag of tricks. So does so does Tennessee's offense. Like they've not done a whole lot through two games. I, I expect that to change this week, and uh, we'll see if they can execute said called plays. I want to end with this. Uh, it's Tuesday morning. AP, fortune teller, let me know, man. Um, you don't have the answer to it, but kind of what's your vibe? What are you thinking about the status of Cooper Mays? Can Tennessee get its center back uh, for the Swamp? And if so, how effective could he be? Or is this, you know, probably something about next week when we see the return of Cooper Mays? No, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's still too early in the week. Um, he continues to trend in the right direction. Um, uh, you know, I would call it 50-50 at this point. And uh, I do think that there's a... Uh, probably a 80 or to 90% chance that he would be available next week. We'll see if he's able to push through. A lot of this will depend on Hubber, what the doctors say, because the last thing you want to get out there, if your core's not, you know, back strong enough is get out there and, and rip something again. And then you have to reset the whole deal. Yeah, no doubt. And the other thing that's interesting in this game for the first time, you're dealing with numbers. You can only travel 70. Yeah. You know, so how many guys are you going to take that, you know, can't play? Um, if that's the case, now we're not going to know that it's, we were talking about this on Monday, Rob, it's not the old school days where they give you a dress roster on Friday and, and let you know who's going to be available and not. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if he is for sure on the trip. I think if he goes on the trip, then I don't think you, I don't know that you're taking him down there just to hang out. I mean, I, I think you feel, uh, whether it's just in an emergency role or whether you think he's truly ready to go, I don't think you're taking him down there and dressed him like he did last week. That was all for that was all for show last week. He wasn't going to play. But if he goes and dresses, then, you know, I think that's a big deal. We'll just see if that happens because you can only take 70. Hard to take a bunch of guys who can't play and can't help you. Hey, before we go, I just, did you guys see where Feinbaum called this a must win for Billy Napier? I just wanted, I just wanted to get, get people's take on that. I, I don't disagree. I that was, really? I thought it was a little strong in year two. No, I don't think so. The, the, as bad as they've been, um, it depends on how patient Florida wants to be. I mean, you know, next year, you know, you're you really going to rely on 30 new freshmen to come in and and, and, and set the world on fire. I mean, I, I, I'm i not doubting that it might be a bit premature, but I think that the lack of juice around the program, the the bad, you know, juju that they've had with the NIL down there. And I, I get they've got a nice class. Um, but, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, like I said, they're looking for a reason to leave Saturday. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, here's – and I didn't hear Paul's comments, so I don't know if it was must win like he's going to get fired at the end of the year. But Andy Staples made this point on the on the rewind on Sunday, and it was a heck of a point, okay? I mean, Billy Napier – Florida plays really four rival games, right? You got the, the outdoor party against Georgia. You got Tennessee. The LSU game, because those two programs were good during that stretch, has become a real rival game. And then you got Florida State. Okay, out of those four games this year, which one of those looks like it's potentially the most winnable game for you? You play at Baton Rouge, you're playing in Jacksonville, and in Florida State looks like a playoff team right now. You get Tennessee at home early in the year, and it's a Tennessee team that didn't put up a, a great numbers in week two. So is it more like this is a must win because this is the most winnable of his major rival games because if he loses this one, then the vibe may be after two years, Rob, he's 0-8 against the schools that you're judged by. $30 million buyout, though. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to get fired after this year. I just think to 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 alleviate or to, to slow down a little bit of the hot seat stuff, the hot seat talk, this is a game. This A lot of people are calling this a must win because it is the most winnable game of the games that Florida keeps real score on. If yeah, he's going to get a big one in year two, obviously Utah's already gone by, but even that would have an asterisk by it because of the injuries at quarterback. But if you're going to get a big one in year two, this is it for Florida. Well, and realistically, I mean, they've got that nice recruiting class. Um, you know, and I know some people think there's a bunch of, you know, kind of paper paper four stars in there. We'll see. But, I mean, like, you know, the, the biggest thing is, though, like you got to hold that class together and, you know, you lose to Tennessee, you've already lost to Utah. You just named three more that they're likely going to lose to, and they don't even count other games like South Carolina and Kentucky and teams like that that they could easily lose to. You know, at that point, you're trying to hold the class together. I mean, like, that, that to me that to me is where this thing gets really dicey for Billy Napier. Well, here's the other thing, too, right? I mean, Mario Cristobal's in year two at Miami. They just beat Texas A&M at home, big win. We're seeing all the coach Deion Sanders stuff at, at Colorado in year one. Brent Venables in year two, who looked like a colossal disaster last year, right? He was awful. Look where they look like they're at in year two right now. So the the, the patience level people have for coaches, I mean, look at jo- what Josh Heupel's done in two years, right? The patience level that fans have with coaches right now because of the portal and the belief that you can flip it and have immediate success is shorter than it's ever been. And, and Billy Napier's out there begging for and asking for patience publicly with everybody while they get it built around. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. How much patience do we need to have when all these other programs seem to be making real jumps in year two? That works against Billy Napier's popularity as well. Big week ahead. Tennessee at Florida in the swamp. And there's no better place to get all the pregame coverage throughout the week and all day Saturday then over at VolQuest.com. Right now, first-year subscribers, half off an annual subscription over at VolQuest.com. Kickoff sale, rivalry sale, Florida and Tennessee. Take advantage of this deal right now because it's only going to be here for a limited time this week. Go ahead and take advantage of it, 50% off or $1 for one month as well. Big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Give them a call today for a free estimate, 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here on the BallQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the BallQuest Podcast every week here on BallQuest.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.